0: Attention all mortals, veterans and civilians alike. It's time to buckle up and get ready for a wild ride because you've just tuned in to the Swandingo Files. Your host, Steven Swanson, is here to help you navigate the crazy world of transitioning from military life to civilian life. And let me tell you, it's a bumpy road. But with a little bit of humor and a lot of determination, we can make it through together.
1: And welcome back to another episode of the Swan Dingo Files. Uh, my guest today is Marilyn Richard. She is also a fellow veteran, Navy and Air Force, but we won't hold that against her today.
0: <laughs> it's the and, Chair Force. Get it right.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry, the Chair Force. Sorry, I'm Army, so, you know, you got to give a little slack, but I do appreciate everybody that serves always. We got to have our banter back and forth, though, but right. nobody on the outside world can come at us, so. So today we're just going to talk about why you joined, some of your achievements, or what you did in the military, your transition out, and how you are crushing it today. So if you want to go into why you joined the military to begin with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, I want to thank you for this opportunity. So um, I appreciate being able to share a little bit about my story and and hopefully help others, you know, like us who are struggling to transition. Um well my dad is retired from the air force he is a vietnam vet he is a combat veteran uh, he is one of my biggest reasons why i decided to join the military because it became an option that was often spoken of um when i was growing up you know it's something to be proud of we have a military family um so there's a lot of people in my family that served i served with my twin sister and um my my dad was the first to leave the family to do that. And we've just been keeping that tradition going because my cousins served. Um we looking down at our lineage, we have some um distant relatives in our genealogy that served in um the Civil War and World War II as well. So that's wow. one of the biggest, biggest influences why I wanted to join.
1: <laughs> that's a lot of uh that's a lot of family members. So that That have been in and served, so you come, I understand, so that makes it, the patriotism is strong in your family, and that's nice to hear
0: absolutely. My dad is a huge patriot, and he as a matter of fact, he talked my cousin Harry into joining because he used to live in California with us um, when we were little, and then he ended up joining the Air Force, um you know, served ten years and and then of course my uh, my sister and I we ended up doing that after after graduating high school. So, (laughs) yeah.
1: So uh, what what did you do in the Air Force?
0: I first started out in uh, command and control operations. So I was a command post controller. I did not get qualified. I really, I I, I struggled with uh, qualifying and multitasking because that job does take a lot of multitasking. Um, Unfortunately, I couldn't hack it because as if I, if I look back now, I see some symptoms of PTSD that I, I didn't know it was. And, um, you know, cause I'd just gotten the, out of the Navy and then 9-11 happened. So oh, I was transitioning yes. from one branch to another and it was a very, very hard adjustment period, very hard transition for me, especially because the, um, Navy mentality is, is, a lot more, um, it's a lot more oh, abrasive. <laughs> <laughs> very um crude and abrasive uh type of quality of life and the air force is completely opposite of that
1: <laughs> so you joined the navy first or
0: i joined the navy first
1: okay and so then... I, a little fuser. sorry
0: no 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 that's fine It it is it does get confusing when when you look at dual service and i'm like You know, which is which, when, and where. (laughs) So, yes, Navy first, and then Air Force second.
1: uh, Then what did you do in the Navy first?
0: I was a launch and recovery technician on an aircraft carrier, the USS Carl Carl Vinson. I was an ABE-2, and I was in catapults. So, I launched aircraft off the flight deck. Is
1: wow. what I, so yeah. <laughs> so so the so the real pilots, not the uh, not the ground pilots, the actual floating pilots, got it. So right. I hear there's a lo- I hear there's a lot of banter back and forth between the Air Force and Navy pilots, and I don't <laughs> know really, but I know from what I've heard. I've never done it, of course, because I was a scout in the Army, so I don't fly. I stay on the ground.
0: Right, uh, right.
1: <laughs> but I've heard a lot of Navy pilots say that it's a lot harder to land on a uh, aircraft carrier than it is on the ground, and I'm sure it's true.
0: So. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It is um, pretty difficult. You're, you're dealing with a very moving, um, you know, landing area. It's, it's very, and, and some of the equipment that we used to, it's called a MOVLESS. It's a manual operation operating visual landing aid system that we use on the carriers. There's three of them. So if one goes down, we manually have to stand the, the other one up. And, and so that way the pilot has the ability to take a look at that source light they can focus on the ball and be able to have it guide them into landing it does take a lot of practice and it, some of those especially like you could tell when you're on deck and you're you're looking at the at the planes and coming in on the ball and um some some of the newest fresh recruits who, who are trying to get their hours and learning, they're they are like coming in like this and like making hard landings. It's it's <laughs> it could be a little iffy at times, but the ones that really love to fly, you could tell they are great at what they do. They land very well and they they get their hours in. I I loved it. I loved being on the flight deck. I loved being around the air crew. There's nothing like it.
1: Yeah, you're just kind of reaffirming me. Uh, just keeping my feet on the ground a little bit more, I think. So that's yeah. I don't. No, I don't want to do that. Oh, no,
0: you're, you. you're, yeah, you're you're a grunt. So
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: you sleep so, in foxholes, right?
1: <laughs> foxholes. If we even want to make a foxhole, that is. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it varied. So how many years altogether did you do between the two?
0: I did four years in the Navy and then two years and nine months in the Air Force. I got out a little bit earlier than expected um, during a force shaping phase in 2004. So the Air Force was going through a revamping of like, okay, this career field is overmanned. Let's kind of shape some personnel off. Let's move them over here. You know, they got rid of a, a couple of career fields and whatnot. Mine, was of a special circumstance, and so um, I ended up getting out in um in a it, categorized in a different manner of like okay, well, you're not like a pipeline student, you're not like first time enlisted. I was considered like a second term airman is what they call it um so I happened to get out one year earlier than expected um, which. I was probably okay with, cause I didn't transition very well in the air force. And I was, I was actually having a really hard time um, um, acclimating to the, to the environment, to this new environment, to this new culture. Cause the Navy is very, um, you know, you there there's traditions there, there, there's traditions. There's this brotherhood that I loved so much about it that I missed. And you don't really find that very much in the Air Force. It, it, it's there, but it's not as strong, if that makes sense.
1: No, it does. And that's one thing since, and I think this is where the military is failing uh, big time. They've taken the community, and some people are bothered by it, but they get acclimated eventually. But the community barracks, the community showers, that you live, you sleep, you play, and you fight together. And I know the Navy can only do so much because it's on a floating palace. I've never actually been on a ship before. And I know the submarines are even more different, more compact. But for the most part, like even in the Army, every soldier, for the most part, gets their own room. Well, you build camaraderie when you're right there next to everybody. I mean, and that's where the support comes from. And when you do start going through things, you can kind of tell when soldiers are going through things and airmen and you know, seamen and Marines and stuff like that. Yeah. The old traditional community lifestyle is gone. And I think that's why there's an increase in suicide just inside the military alone, because you're sitting in your own room at night. And you're not checking on each other anymore. You're sitting there playing video games. You're
0: right, you know, kind you're, of like in your own world.
1: Exactly. And I think that's where the military needs to go back to stop with these college dorm room lifestyle because we're not we're not in college we're expected to do 10 times more than what college students are expected to do and i agree yeah, so i just I, they need to get away from that college mentality because it's not a college even in the air force you're there to fight wars and win wars
0: yeah it's not but um so i i did i lived in a dormitory when i was mm-hmm. um, at the base it, it was called a one plus one so you have like an adjoining um mm-hmm. you, know, you have like your room next door and then you share a common area which is like the kitchenette and and to the um the bathroom so there is that separation there i didn't really um you know get close enough to anyone that i lived with because you know you're kind of like um in your you're right it's 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 mirrored very closely to college life where you're you're around a lot of your peers but you're not you're not really close it's really hard Mm -hmm. to explain and um and you're you're right because then the navy is much much like the army and the marines you know you are like you you sleep eat and shit together and seriously, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's not like that in the Air Force. You have your own room. You have like you're kind of like just it's it's more of a corporate setting, um, kind of approach to, you know, that life. It's it mirrors a lot more closely to a corporate lifestyle than you would an um, actual military environment. So yep. my adjustment period from the Navy, you know, going from like you know, you're spending hours with the person on your left and the person on your right. You're you're there with each other, pulling each other through those hard times. Because there's days when I didn't even sleep in my rack. We slept in the lounge on the floor, anywhere we could, because we were still like you know in operations. You, you know, there's no you sleep with you can sleep when you're dead. It was, our our attitude you know like suck it up let's go you know you you we've got a mission to do let's go do it so that was my attitude often but in the air force it's that attitude doesn't work
1: nope nope so when you started trans- transitioning out of the air force you didn't really get much time did you to really get in that right mindset of hey i'm about to get out or did you get a little bit of time like how <laughs> long did you how long, how long, how long did you know you were getting out?
0: I, so, uh, out of the Navy first or oh, Air
1: the Force? Air Force, the Air Force.
0: Oh yeah. So I, I had a year, oh, okay. I had my, I had my separation orders. They told me I was going to get out a little bit earlier than expected. So I had some time to prepare. Um, it was, it was just a little discombobulating. Because you're like, okay, well, now what? Now I'm getting out again, you know? What do I do now?
1: (laughs) What was your biggest struggle, you'd say, then? Because I know you said you you kind of failed a little bit at transition. What was your biggest – I mean, I know the lifestyle change is different, but what what do you say your biggest transition flop was, I guess, or uh, roadblock?
0: It it would definitely be – not being able to transition with a plan. um, I had a really hard time. um, This is, and this is what I do now. I help service members transition, like as far as their career development goals are concerned. Because when I took, when I took TAPS class, it was, there was so much information overload that I was, I didn't even know how to put a resume together. I mean, you should see my first resume. It was, it's terrible. (laughs) But through trial and error and through the years, learning um, from my experience and really just honing in on like, okay, what does an employer look for? Um, How do you apply to this job? How do you prepare for a job interview? That's what I do now. But I had a really, really hard time really trying to put myself on paper and learning what it takes to sell yourself to an employer so they can hire you so you can have a job and not just any job. Um, you know, I didn't want to work at McDonald's. I mm. didn't want to, you know, work somewhere that's just going to pay me like back then it was like what, 7.25 an hour. I mean, I remember when I worked in AMC movie theaters and this was back in the early 90s, I got paid 4.25 an hour. So for me to get paid more than that was a lot of money.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think well, I, I still think the program's broken. I can't remember what it's called now. When I got out, because I got out in 2017 after 14 and a half years, I was medically retired, and I was in an E7. And oh wow! Yeah. You know, I always try to tell my soldiers, and I, but I never practiced it myself because I was always worried about soldiers and the mission first. Which, looking back, is I never took my time. But I always try to tell my soldiers, you got to make yourself marketable to the outside world. You got to do something while you're in. So, when you get out, you can transition easier, whether they listen or not. That's, you know, you can't get through to everybody. But it's like, if you're not marketable to the outside world, you're going to end up like my brother in law or several other veterans that are under a bridge, dying from alcohol or drugs or just in a mental hospital for the rest of your life or something. So, I always try to preach it, but the that end program is still bro- broken, where it gives you false hope to, oh, I'm guaranteed a job. No, you're not. No, you're not at all. So
0: most often, because of our skill sets and our training, we happen to, we are often overqualified, um, especially when you're going into like an entry level position, because you have to work your way up in the corporate, you know, in the on in the civilian sector. And, you know, oftentimes a lot of the skill sets and the things that we are like, you know, we were built to be super soldiers, you know, the military is great at building you up, but they're terrible, excuse me, the military is great at building, tearing you down, but they're very terrible at building you back up. They're built, they build you back into something that they want you to be. So when you get out, you're like, now what? And, you know, it's so much easier said than done. To, you know, in, in order to prepare yourself to get out successfully. And that's the step, that's the linking, the missing link is like, okay, well, then how? Oh, this, all this information is great, but what do I do with it?
1: They don't teach you to, how to promote yourself to the outside world. And they don't even really teach you how to build a resume, honestly, still. Well, but... no.
0: And you're right, because I just did a resume for a Navy um, veteran of mine who was referred to me by somebody, you know, it's like everybody's like, hey, can you, you know, I know somebody, can you help this person? And he was like, I don't even know how to make a resume. So mm-hmm. I got together with him, zoomed in with him, got a chance to, you know, get a feel about who he is and, and what's his background. Ended up writing resume for him. And he was he was getting interviews like because of him he's working now like he didn't even have to worry about being out for too long and wondering how he was gonna like you know because you can only you know if you if you're smart and you save your money and not party it away like I did. <laughs> If you're smart about getting out, (laughs) you would have some some savings and and a plan and and, you know, a lot of a lot of things uh, that you're thinking about um, to help you prepare to transition successfully. But when I got out, I was like, I don't know what to do and I don't even know what I want. And it took me a while, but I actually ended up getting a contracting job back at the base that I was stationed at. And then I started from there, and and then that you know I, I bopped around a lot, but I'm finally at a place now with me being in the federal employment system as a federal employee. I've got like 20 years now in in the system, and you get to buy back your time if you go federal. You buy back your military time, so like now I like to help veterans understand that there's so much opportunity to continue your service. In the federal sector, um, so you're still continuing your service to your country, um, but you're doing it in, in a different way. And um, that's what that's what I like to focus on. I do do resumes and I help veterans, um, you know, apply for jobs like that they're interested in elsewhere, you know, there because there's so many opportunities out there now. But my specialty is federal employment.
1: Okay, so you'll help a veteran even after they're out, right? They're not just while they're in. You'll okay. Oh yeah. And uh, how how long after you got out did you really fu- start finding success?
0: Oh, um, the, I I landed a contract with the um on on base about five or six months later. Hmm. I just happened to see like um in AeroTech News. I saw um, like this uh, advertisement for a flight operation scheduler, and that's kind of just what spun me into what I'm doing now and understanding, like, you know, um, how to work with the government.
1: Okay. That's that's good. I actually, I mean, I've, I've known a few, but, it, you know, after I got out, it was while we were drawn down. The military is right before Trump came in, and it was at towards the end of Obama's reign. Oh yeah yeah. I am want to stop right there. But um uh, but uh
0: yeah. <laughs> I, but, you know no. <laughs> I I just have to interject there, you know, as a federal employee, uh, I I need to respect our our CEO. Mm-hmm. I I am very conservative. I I do do like to support the conservative movement. <laughs>
1: No, and I know that's one thing that a lot of people forget that when you're in the military, you don't have your freedoms. You really don't. So you don't have the freedom of speech, right to wear arms, right to gather peacefully and all that stuff. So and a lot of people forget that too. But um no, I mean it's it's no big deal. It happens, you know, on and off, but it was just it was very hard for me to get a job at federal level, which I kinda wanted, but I've been doing what I do too long now. But um so when um So you provide services while they're in and out. How soon should a soldier or anybody, any military member come see you about getting a resume built and start marketing themselves?
0: Oh, as soon as they know, like if they know they're getting out, um, if they have that time, because you know, when you're, you have your checklist, right? You're like checking things off as you go. As soon as you know that you're getting out and you have an ETS like, now is the time to prepare. You can even plan a year out. It, it really, like, depends on, like, how, you know, how motivated are you to, you know, like, not miss a beat or miss a step in your transition to the next chapter of your life. You know, because you can get out and just kind of take some time out, you know, a couple months off, five, six months off. It's really up to you, <laughs>
1: really. Now with now with now with uh, when I got out at three kids, on the way.
0: Oh, so, they're all
1: they're all itty bitty at that point, so
0: no. So really, it just depends on like the needs of the person. Do you need it now, or can you wait? <laughs> like you, well, you needed it right now.
1: <laughs> well, I have I have six kids now. I, well, I mean she was pregnant with the fourth, but wow. two more after that. So it's like, oh. So oh, I love my babies though. That's they're
0: a, that's a big family farm you have. <laughs> that's
1: great. I know. And it's you know, they're they're definitely I love my kids so much. And they've been the push behind everything I, I do nowadays. And um, but yeah, I didn't have that luxury because I only had about six, seven months, I think it was, I can't remember, of like preparing to get out. Cause I I got yeah. told my therapist we're gonna medically discharge are gonna put you in for a medical discharge or retirement, I mean. And it's like yeah. Uh, okay. I, I thought it would take longer. It didn't. And before I knew it, I was out. And that whole program I went through in the army, and I'm sure it's probably the same for all the branches. It just it gave me a false sense of hope, um, even being an E7. Yeah. But I I would hope that they would promote more people, like you know yourself. And there's another person I'm actually probably going to put you in touch with for that does pure military hiring. And um, so maybe we can start helping more veterans get out and actually be successful instead of sitting around.
0: Absolutely. Um. Yeah. I you said something that I really wanted to hone in on. <laughs> you're medically discharged, and so you were given this time frame, and you're just like, okay, like now your life just stopped. You had this whole like, okay, I'm going to do this first. You know, I've got a few more years left. I want to. I'm going to keep going. Um, Because for the majority of the time, you have people that really do want to make it a career. My dad made it a career. I I couldn't see that. So I just served my time and got out. But, you know, you were already halfway through. And then unfortunately, when you're broken, the military, they're just like, you're just a liability for us now. We don't care about you. Okay, we're going to kick you out. But that's literally what they do. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not the only veteran that I've known who has been medically discharged and you're just like, now what? Now I'm broken and battered and, you know, I'm no use. But yes, you are. I want to, I want to really like point that out just because you were medically discharged or just because you have a medical condition doesn't mean that you're useless there's ways to work around that and there's ways to be useful and you could still work because I'm 80%. I'm not hundred Um, But even if I was hundred, I'd still be working because I'm a workaholic and I love working. It gives me purpose, but the Navy made me workaholic. And that drive to perform, to do is I, I get such happiness and satisfaction in serving and in doing and you know, for some people like me who love to work, who need something to do, then, you know, uh, I don't let my medical conditions define me. And it's been one hell of a struggle, of course, but that's like with where you're what you're doing now. I heard you say that you there was that one time you wanted to be in federal employment, but because you're doing what you're doing now and you love it is mm-hmm. great to hear because most people kind of stay where they are and they're just like I'm just existing for no and they're just there breathing and not really finding any purpose in their life and so they just live with their disabilities and they live in this limited mindset
1: yeah uh, I was definitely like that for a little while um but I didn't get that chance to really dwell when I when I was retired out um I mean, my children were the purpose, and then I started doing this stuff with my business partner, and it is just, it's like a whole new world, and it's just like getting the word out there to veterans, uh, about veteran stories, the services that we all, we're we all trying to provide, and it, it's, it's nice seeing that even when we're out, there's still a lot that have succeeded, yes. and we're just trying to get out there and reach more, and So many are willing to just sit on a podcast, even with myself, and be like, just explain their story, how they can help, so we can just get the word out there, even if it only touches a few more veterans.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter.
1: Because I already told you my brother-in-law, he passed away. And you know, the resources were there, but I didn't know how to get him in touch with those resources at that time. Yeah. And now I do, and I just got off the phone with another lady or excuse me, did an interview earlier with another lady that Pushes to help veterans too. And it's like, man, if I had just known these things, but I
0: know I, I and I can, you know, really relay with you here because that's if I knew then what I know now, I would have saved myself so much time, so much heartache, so much pain. There's so many days where I was just down and depressed, and like, you just, you're just, I would sleep my days away. And, mm. you know, I'd be. But you you spend all this time like sucking it up for for me, i I had this um there was always something there that was like i I can't stay here. I can't I, I gotta keep I gotta keep it was and it's all it's been hard. but you know you if you if you have something that keeps you going you You don't have time to really dwell on it. Well, that's what work did for me because I don't have a family. I don't have kids. I'm not married. So, um what helped keep me going was working. Okay. but at the same time, um, if you don't deal what's if you don't deal with the root of those issues, it, it's what's gonna bleed out into and it's just gonna get ter- more worse and terrible. So, um, you couldn't you know that saying? you can only be strong for so long and yes yeah,
1: yeah I know that very well
0: yeah until you break and that and that was me I hit a breaking point in 2018 and I recognized I was like um not okay I need to step back and um I recognized I was working hard and then being a workaholic was not healthy and so I ended up having to step back and say, you know what, I'm going to put my self-care first. Because I started this journey in 2012 when I filed for my disability, because I, it's not until you recognize in yourself first that you do need help and that you're willing to go out there and look for it and find it when you when you can actually, when that's the beginning of change. Because it it took a while for me. I mean, I sucked it up for 12 years. I, w- I was like, there's nothing wrong with me. That was my attitude. I was like, "There's nothing wrong with me. I'm okay. I'm fine. I will be okay." You know, I was like, "I, I am not me. because you know, when you join, you don't you don't volunteer yourself for those. You don't say what's wrong with you. You don't go to medical. Well, I don't know about the army, but in the navy, we didn't volunteer to go to medical because if that was our mentality, that was the culture that we lived in. You don't go to medical. You suck it up.
1: Yep, that is very much. I don't know about so much, you know, it's been almost six years I've been out, but yeah, when I was getting out, it was, you didn't really ask for help, even for mental health. And if you did ask for help, all they did was drug you up. So
0: well that, and then it get, goes in your records and then, you know, depending on the leadership that you have, if you have toxic leadership, then they can smear your career, your name, your you know, you're considered a bad seed and you're, you know, they'll kick you out. Like, if you have good people around you that and they're good leaders and they can take care of you, then, yes, you'll be able to transition better. But in my world, there was no admitting to anything. And, you know, here I am years later and I'm finding out, like, a lot of my brothers and sisters in arms, they're like, man, I wish I would have known back then I would have had your back. And I'm like, well, that's great now. (laughs) Back then, we were all young and dumb. So <laughs> who knew? Who knows what what would have happened if like would you have really been there? I mean, we're we're mature now. We're grown. We you know we've lived through a lifetime already. So we we are who we are now. But back then, I was so naive and gullible, and so you're so easily impressionable when you're eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. So you know who's to say that. You know, for for in my experience anyway, a lot of the guys that I did hang around with are have been great guys because I still keep in touch with them till this day, and they're amazing, very supportive of everything that I'm doing right now, helping our community. Um, but back then we were just young, and dumb, so <laughs> and yeah. foolish and crazy. And...
1: <laughs> I was I was 18 years old, fresh out of OSET training from Fort Knox, and three weeks after getting to my unit, I was in Iraq already in 2003. So I did two and three, four. And then of course we did dumb shit back then. It wasn't as bad back then as it was later years, but right. then you gave a 19 year old who had my birthday over there, 19 year old, a bunch of money from deployment. Cause back then no. you had nothing to spend it on. <laughs> and all it was was a party until we deployed the second time, which was no. a year later, then it come back with money again. And it's just, I, I wish. Yeah, I wish, and I wish they would have taught financial classes while we're in um, a little bit better instead of just have to seek it out. They should have been like, here you go. but, but I,
0: I I agree. I feel the same way. I, I I if I knew now what I know about money, it actually took me um, doing my. I started my entrepreneurial um, ventures in an MLM kind of structure, so I was in financial services for a while, and oh, cool. I. Yeah, which is great, because you get to learn about how to manage money, get to learn about the finance industry, the insurance industry. It's such a huge world. And um, that helped me to really understand how to manage money, how money works, how wealthy people, wealthy people build wealth. And it all starts up here. And so, you know, it boils down to, you know, if you can get this right up here, mm-hmm. everything else will be easy. And, you know, that's one thing that we can revert back to in our training and our skill sets, because a lot of the training that, um you know, young people get in college or, you know, it's all intellectual. But, you know, the interpersonal, the professional development, the things that we learn in the military, have made us to be, um, you know, a lot better, more responsible individuals. Now, financially, we were a mess, because I know I was. I mean, I I blew it on alcohol, and taxis, shopping, and like you know, any ta- any chance that we were on liberty, oh yeah, I took that. I was like, I'm gonna live it up because we're gonna have to go back to the ship in a few hours, so I'm gonna make the most of it.
1: <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't blame you honestly. I really don't. I've heard, I've heard, but. So, um, so how can people find your services and what are some of your social media platforms that you're on?
0: I usually have, um, so I'm connected in our veterans community through Facebook. There's a lot of community, a lot of Facebook groups that I'm, I'm, you know, and then of course, a lot of veterans that, you know, I'm connected to. So people find me through, through other, you know, other folks, um, through Facebook groups, um, you can find me on LinkedIn, um. Like uh, if you want me to help you with your resume, you can message me through Facebook messenger or LinkedIn okay. is is where I've been using like my means to communicate with people is Facebook messenger and LinkedIn.
1: Okay. You, you, do you have a website or anything yet? or?
0: I No, I, everything's in, in, in process, everything like my, my, my zoom background. Uh, this is mm-hmm. what I'm working on is, um you know, Everything's a process. I'm working on building myself as a brand, and really wanting to focus on, um, you know, I'm I'm building I'm building my brand at the moment. Okay, but you know, people can find me on social media if they want uh, to contact me that way.
1: Okay, and it's nice to hear that you're willing to build a resume. Now, is there now, do you charge veterans, or is there a fee for anything, or for your services? I mean, you got to make money somehow. So
0: I I am working oh, on. that. Kitty. <laughs> kitty. wants to join the conversation.
1: <laughs> it's you know I've had a few calls. I had one earlier today and one yesterday. It seems like the animals just wanted to intervene, I like the, <laughs> like the last minute, and get get some exposure too. So
0: right. I am, I have, I'm working on pricing points and putting together a package, Um, but for, for people that I help, you know, my fellow friends and veterans, I don't charge. I don't have a price point at the moment. I usually like to help just because they've asked me for help. I am working on putting together some packages and a price point for people if they want to utilize my services. So right now, everything's like a, um, a beta test. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm in a beta mode at the moment as I build. So people can kind of contact me and if they, if they want to contribute to the work that I've made or that I've done, I, I'm not going to turn that down. <laughs> but I'm in beta mode at the moment. So once I get everything um, up and running like I should, of, as a professional business, then I'll be able to offer those price points in those packages.
1: Okay. Well, it's nice to hear. I'm, I'm glad you're out there helping veterans. And uh, it, there's so many services that are offered to veterans anymore. And if we don't get the word out there more, they're just going to keep going to the streets and just right. lit terrible jobs, minimum wage, and we're worth so much more. So.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I do best. As a writer, um I can make you look great on paper. I can coach you on <laughs> you know the the from military terms to civilian terms, you know, understanding that and understanding that you know as you're selling yourself, you are wanting to be the person that they say, "Hey, man, we like this guy. We want to hire him." you know let's let's give him let's call in him in for an interview that that's the kind of result that I target that I want to to get. For the for the other person so i was pretty elated for one of my clients a navy veteran he just got out and he was like thanks to you i didn't even have to like worry or you know I, w- I didn't have to um you know be out for too long and wondering where to go and what to do because i helped him out
1: and that's very nice um so this is gonna wrap up today's show with the swan Dingo files with marilyn richards Taking your military lingo, which is useless on the outside world, and turning <laughs> to something that's going to be an actual skill and make you more successful. I appreciate you being on here, Marilyn, with me today. And I do look forward to talking to you again someday. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, wow, no, thank you. Appreciate it.
1: Yep. Have a good day
0: well folks that's all we have for today's episode of the swan Dingo files i hope you've enjoyed this journey with your host steven swanson as much as he enjoys recording it remember transitioning from military life to civilian life is tough but with a little bit of grit a dash of humor and a lot of determination you can overcome any obstacle so until next time keep on trucking and keep swan going.